bad things happen to good people. If there is an all-loving God, why is there so much evil in the world? Today on Evidence and Answers, you'll hear Dr. Norman Geisler, one of the foremost defenders of the Christian faith, answer these questions. Welcome to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman. This is a program that presents the truth of Jesus Christ and answers the sometimes difficult questions that all of us ask about God. Today, Pat presents Dr. Norman Geisler before a live audience at a recent conference in Hawaii where Dr. Geisler addressed what's known as the problem of evil. Today, we'll hear part one of this two-part series. And we want to remind you that there are a multitude of resources available online at evidenceandanswers.org. There you'll find everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including interviews and teaching from Dr. Norman Geisler. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Go there today. Now, Norman Geisler answers the question, why do bad things happen to good people? There is tragedy and tragedy often comes to us. You and I have experienced it and we all have this question. If God, why evil? Why do bad things happen to good people? A number of years ago when Rabbi Kushner came out with that book from which he made millions of dollars, John Ankerberg called me and asked if I would debate Rabbi Kushner on national TV. If you want the entertaining evening, uh, just write uh, either the John Ankerberg a show or our ministry, internationallegacy.org, and get the video of the debate with Rabbi Kushner. Three hours we spent debating uh, his view that God is limited in power and perfection, and we just have to forgive God and go on and live our lives, which was the essence of his view, or our view that I'm going to share with you today from the scriptures. If God, why evil? Last year, you remember a great tragedy hit the uh, Virginia campus there, Virginia Tech, and uh, many, many students were uh, killed in a, in a wanton, kind of uh, uh, irrational kind of killing. It happens all the time in our country. Now, there are three basic responses to tragedy when it occurs. You can ask, what is the purpose of pain? What is the design for disaster? What is the reason for all of this evil that occurs to us? And there are really only three basic responses. One comes from a view called pantheism. Now, pantheism is held by many Hindus, many Buddhists, uh, Christian scientists, many New Agers. It's a view that God is good and God is all and no evil exists at all. This view affirms God and it denies evil. Uh, that's one alternative you can take to the uh, problem of evil. You can say, well, yeah, there, there, is a, there is a God, but there's no evil in the world. You can just close your eyes and say with Mary Baker, Patterson, Gloveretti, uh, evil doesn't exist. It's an illusion. It's like zero. It's like a dream. It's an error of mortal mind. Or on the other hand, you can uh, take the atheist point of view and say, well, evil is real. Uh, look at the tsunamis, look at the earthquakes, tornadoes, volcanoes, and natural evil. Look at all of the uh, human evil, man's inhumanity to man, the wars uh, that have occurred and the atrocities thereof. You can say evil is real, but if evil is real, there can't be a God. Or there's a third alternative, and that's the alternative that the Bible takes. God exists, it's called theism, and so does evil. There is a good God, there is an all-powerful God, 
and there is evil and he has purpose for it and he will accomplish his purpose. Now clearly, of the three alternatives to evil, the Christian can't take the first two. We can't stick our proverbial ostrich head in the sand and say it's not there when tragedy strikes. Clearly we can't take the second alternative and say, well, there is no God who created this world. Uh, who's the designer behind the wonderful uh, design? But when we say that, it's incumbent upon us to explain why God permitted evil. How can both be true? Pantheism is unrealistic. Atheism is ungrounded. And theism uh, seems to be unexplained. How do you explain it? So we're left with the dilemma of trying to explain evil. Mary Baker Patterson Gloveretti, the founder of Christian Science, I passed the Christian Science Church yesterday here on the island, uh, said, well, look, uh, I have a book called Science and Health, and you need to look through these spectacles when you look at the world. And she asked us all to put on uh, glasses uh, and look at it this way. God is all. Therefore, all that really exists is in and of God. If God is infinite and God is good, then everything is infinitely good. There is no evil in the world. Evil is but an illusion. It has no real basis. It's like a dream. Evil is like zero. It doesn't really uh, represent anything at all. There was a pantheist of Deal who said that though pain is not real, Yet when I sit upon a pen and it punctuates my skin, I dislike what I fancy I feel. The problem with this solution to evil is that even if evil weren't real, why does it seem so real? Even if death were an illusion, why does it seem uh, to impact me with such force when it occurs? Atheism has a different problem. C.S. Lewis was once an atheist. He wrote the Narnia series. He said, my argument was that the universe seems so cruel and unjust. But then I asked myself, how did I get this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. Of course, I could have given up my idea of justice by saying there was nothing but a private idea of my own. But if I did that, then my argument against God collapsed. He said, atheists are in a real dilemma. The pantheists have no explanation for the reality of evil. Where did evil come from? Why does it seem so real? Why does everybody have this illusion? And the atheist has no grounds for saying there is evil. Because the only way you can know something is not just is to know that something is just. The only way you can say there's something wrong is to know there's something right. And if there is an absolute moral standard by which we pronounce the world absolutely evil, there must be an absolute moral law giver. And C.S. Lewis was converted to Christianity because he realized that the atheist alternative is arguing in a circle. It's begging the question. Now, evil cries out for an explanation. If it's unrealistic to say evil doesn't exist, if it's ungrounded to say God doesn't exist, then what's the explanation for how God could possibly permit evil? And there are three parts to the answer. To explain how we know it is evil, to comfort us in our sorrow over evil, and to give us victory over evil. 
Evil does not cry out against God. When tragedy strikes, it calls for God. And it calls for God in three ways. Number one, how do we know it's evil? You wouldn't even know it was evil if there wasn't an absolute standard of good. It would be just your benign moral feeling. Number two, who is there to comfort us? If there is no God of all comfort, if there is not a good and a gracious God, and I'm going through this evil, where am I going to get my comfort from? And number three, who's going to solve this problem? We've been at it for thousands of years as a human race. We're at it individually in our own life, and man doesn't seem to have within himself the ability to solve the problem of evil. And the only one in the entire universe who could possibly bring good out of evil and triumph out of tragedy is the God who created it. Now, the problem uh, for believers in God is this. If God is all good and opposes evil, and God is all knowing and he foreknew evil, even before he created this world, and God is all powerful and he can defeat evil, and as Christians we must believe all three of these because they're taught in the Bible. If God is all good and opposes it, he's all knowing and foreknew it, and he's all powerful and can defeat it, then why in the world did he permit it, and why in the world is evil still with us. That has perplexed some of the greatest minds in the history of the world. And I'd like to talk about three aspects of that this morning. The origin of evil. How can evil arise in a perfectly good universe? The persistence of evil. Why didn't God stomp it out the moment it occurred, nip it in the bud? And the purpose of evil. First of all, the origin of evil. St. Augustine was a great Christian, lived around 400 A.D., and he occupied himself with this perhaps more than any other single problem. He came from a Manichaean cult that said there's good and evil and they're both eternal principles and they're both eternally struggling, and that didn't satisfy him. He was debating a young Christian named Helpidius. I don't know what Christian mother would call her son Helpidius, but he was debating Helpidius, and the Christian was winning the debate and Augustine was attracted to Christianity because there were Christians who got out there in the marketplace and stood up for what was right. And here's the problem. God is absolutely perfect. God cannot create anything imperfect. Now, if God is absolutely perfect and he can't create anything that's imperfect, and a perfect creature cannot do evil, therefore evil cannot arise in such a world. Well, we've got a dilemma here. If you've got an absolutely perfect God who creates absolutely perfect creatures, then how can evil arise? If evil arises, how could those creatures be perfect or that creator be perfect? In other words, in biblical language, why didn't God make an Adam and Eve who would not have sinned? Why didn't he make a better Adam and Eve? Why didn't he make a better Lucifer, if you want to take it back to the angelic realm? Why didn't he make a more perfect being who wouldn't have sinned? Evil did arise in this world, Hence, either A or B is false or both. Either God's not absolutely perfect or he didn't create absolutely perfect creatures, in which case, either one or both, the Bible is wrong. This is a painful dilemma and every Christian, every thinking Christian must face it squarely. God is not perfect and or God did not create a perfect creature. Which of the two? 
If he's not perfect, then we'll have to join Rabbi Kushner. God's not perfect. He couldn't do any better. Just forgive God and move on. That's what he said. Forgive God and move on. The origin of evil. The response from the Christian is this. God is absolutely perfect. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. The angels sing, holy, 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 the Tersanctus. God is the absolute standard of all, all good. We cannot deny that. God cannot create anything imperfect. How can an imperfect creature come from the hands of a perfect creator? How from a, a God who has nothing but good to give, give something other than good? Doesn't make sense. See, a perfect creature cannot do evil. This is the premise that is false. The first two are true, and the first two the Bible teaches, but it is not true that a perfect creature cannot do evil. This is a false premise, hence the conclusion does not follow. Now, how do we know that's a false premise? Let me illustrate why it is a false uh, premise. How a perfect creature can do evil. One, God created only good things, Genesis chapter 1. After almost every day it says it is good, it is good, it is good. And after the last day it said it's very good. First Thessalonians chapter 4, every creature of God is good. Titus chapter 1, the pure, all things are pure. God can't do anything that's not good. One good thing God created was free will. You know, I've seen a lot of marches in my lifetime. I've seen a lot of people go to the streets with placards and walk up and down. But I've never seen a march against freedom. Have you ever seen a march against freedom? Uh, I want to do everything my mother ever told me. Uh, I want to do everything my government ever said. I want to do everything anyone ever commanded me. I don't want to have any freedom. Back to bondage. Uh, please join me. You don't even see one person with a sign that says, back to bondage. I'm against freedom. And if you did, they would be doing what? They would be expressing their freedom. They would be proving just the opposite because they enjoyed the freedom of being able to protest against freedom, even if that absurdity occurred. One good thing that God made was free will, and we all enjoy it. But free will makes evil possible. Since it's the power to do otherwise, free choice, stones don't have it. Dogs don't have it. Animals don't have it. Only human beings and angels have free will, the power to do otherwise. I did it, but I could have done otherwise. That's what freedom is. I chose A, but I could have chosen B. I chose to love God, but I could have chosen not to love God. But to do otherwise than good is evil. Hence, a perfect free creature can do evil. The reason evil exists in this world is because God created people with free will. It's good to be free, but with the power of freedom comes the power to do evil. Now note, God made evil possible by giving us free will, but free will is a good thing. So God didn't make evil. He made a good thing called free will, which made evil possible but you and I made evil actual. The devil did it when in Revelation chapter 12 it says he and one third of the angels rebelled against God. 
when Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 3 says, don't put a novice in office, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Yes, Lucifer chose to freely rebel against God. Adam chose to rebel against God. And all little Adamites sense that. Adam had him and we got him. Have chosen to rebel against God. God made evil possible, but the possibility of evil is a good thing because it also makes good possible. Problem, how can one will evil when there is no evil to will? Let's take it all the way back before the Garden of Eden. There was no tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God, a perfect God, made perfect creatures called angels. One third of these angels fell. They had no evil environment. They had no evil in their nature. How can one will evil when there's no evil there to will? And the answer St. Augustine came up with is this. Evil arose when a good creature called Lucifer with a good power of free will, which God had given him, will the finite good of the creature, I will be like the most high. I will, I will, I will. Pictured beautifully in Isaiah 14. Over the infinite good of the creator. There was no evil because there was no evil in God. There was no evil in the creature. There was no evil in the environment. But when a good creature with a good power of free will wills the finite good of himself over the infinite good of God, evil has occurred. No evil needs exist in order to will evil. Willing a lesser good can be an evil. Willing the lesser good of himself over the greater good of God brought evil into this universe. The origin of evil is found in free choice. You say, well, why didn't God nip it in the bud? Why didn't he just stomp it out there? Why did he allow it to continue? Before I answer that question, let me point out uh, one final comment on why free will is the origin of evil. If you are not free to curse God, you are not free to praise God. If you are free to worship God, you're also free to hate God. Because with freedom comes not only the ability to love, but the ability to hate. That's part of the package. That's part of the nature of freedom. So a creature who could not hate could not love. Robots don't love or hate. Automatons don't worship and don't blaspheme. A creature who can worship can blaspheme. A creature who can love can hate. And that's part of the very nature of free will. Why didn't God stomp it out? Here's the problem. If God is all good, he would defeat evil. If God is all powerful, he could defeat evil. But look around. Read the newspaper. Turn the television on. Look in a mirror. Look in your own heart. Evil is not yet defeated. Therefore, no such God exists. Now, I just put on the screen for you the most powerful argument ever devised by a finite evil mind against the good God of this universe. This is an argument brought up over and over and over by atheists and agnostics and skeptics. And if you're going to fulfill the biblical command to give a reason for the hope that's in you and give an answer to everyone, 
First Peter 3.15 and Colossians 4.6, which says, uh, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. You need an answer to this problem. You need to focus on this because I'm about to share with you why the most profound argument against God ever devised doesn't work. It fails. It flops right before our eyes. And let me tell you why. We do believe if God is all good, he would defeat evil. And we do believe if God is all powerful, he could. And we do believe he is all good and all powerful. But the third premise left out a very important word. Yet. Evil is not yet defeated. Now I ask you, if those first two premises are true, an all-powerful God could and an all-good God would, and evil is not yet defeated, what conclusion follows from those premises? Evil will be defeated. Hang on. Now, if not today, tomorrow. If not tomorrow, next week. Not next week, next year. How do we know? Because God is all good, and he wants to defeat it. He's all powerful, and he can defeat it. And if it's not yet defeated, hang on, it's coming. In fact, I took a peek at the last chapter, and I know it's coming. He's revealed to us it's coming. So the conclusion is not, therefore, no such God exists. This conclusion does not follow because evil might yet be defeated in the future. If you stop me in the middle of a sentence and you say, that sentence makes no sense, I would respond to you, let me finish my sentence. We can't stop God in the middle of a sentence and say, life doesn't make any sense. My loved one just died. We lost uh, our father or our mother. I thought I had seen everything. I was a pastor for many, many years. I buried my father. I buried my mother. I buried my sister. I buried my brother-in-law. And then we lost a daughter. If you haven't lost a child, you don't know what suffering is really like. But I'm here to tell you that the God who created this universe, who gave us free will, is able to bring good out of evil, is able uh, to defeat evil without destroying our free will. And that is the solution to the whole problem. The new problem for the atheist is this. If God is all good, we would, he would defeat evil. If he's all powerful, he could defeat evil. Evil never will be defeated. Well, now, if the atheist comes up with this new premise, what do you say to him? You say to him, you're right. If you're right that evil never will be defeated, therefore no such God exists. If you can prove that third premise, number C, evil never will be defeated, not today, not tomorrow, or any time in the future, then we must give up and admit that the atheist is right. The problem is... There is no way for the atheist to know this unless he's God. How could he possibly know that evil will never, ever be defeated unless he knew for sure, if he had infinite and infallible knowledge of all possible future states of affairs? That's called omniscient. That's called God. So the only way the atheist can defeat God is to play God. 
The only way he can defeat God by way of this argument is to assume that he is omniscient, and he's not omniscient. The atheist has finite knowledge like just the rest of us. In fact, this whole argument boomerangs on the atheist. If God is all good, he would defeat evil. If he's all powerful, he could. Evil is not yet defeated. Therefore, one day evil will be defeated. You can mark it down in your book. You can put an exclamation point after it. If there is an all good and all powerful God and evil exists, someday he's going to defeat it. Someday he's going to do away with it. Therefore, the nature of a theistic God, the nature of the God of the Bible, guarantees it. He's all-powerful and he can do it. He's all good and he wants to do it. Therefore, he will do it. Well, thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers today with Pat Zuckerman. And our prayer is that we answer the hard questions that all of us ask and that we equip you to know what you believe and why you believe it. And if you're a seeker or a skeptic, we hope we've challenged you with the various evidences which support the claims of Christ. There are a multitude of resources available on our website, evidenceandanswers.org. Interviews with leading scholars, past shows that you can download, and we deal with topics from atheism to Zen Buddhism to Islam to the occult the cults, agnosticism, and contemporary issues which faces today. And by the way, when you purchase our resources, you keep Pat Zuckerman speaking out all over the world. Help support a quality apologetics program for radio and podcast and Pat's speaking engagements on college campuses and churches all over the world. Evidenceandanswers.org. Go there today. Evidenceandanswers.org. For Pat Zuckerman, I'm Kevin Harris. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.